0: Welcome to the weekly Comic Web Old-Time Radio Program podcast. We sell old-time radio programs, Golden Age comics in PDF format, and we have other free podcasts. Visit ComicWeb.com for more information, or find us on Facebook and iTunes. This week our podcast features an episode of Quiet, Please, called Pathetic Fallacy. It first aired on February 2nd,
1: 1948. Mm Please. System presents Quiet Please, which is written and directed by Willis Cooper and which features Ernest Chapel. Quiet Please for tonight is called the Pathetic Fallacy. I had very little to do with it, really. I don't even know how it works. No, I'll take that back. I do know how it works in general, but the details, nobody but the old gentleman knows them. And I sometimes wonder if he does, really. You see, after all, it's merely a differential integrator. Everybody knows what a differential integrator is, of course, but this one is the most complicated and versatile one that's ever been built. What you see here is only the outer shell of the thing. You see, all the walls of this room are covered with banks of jacks and relays and these electronic glow tubes. And up there are sequence analyzers with multiple dinewave wave selectors. These are the precepts all along here. And the master control is at the desk there in the center. Now, but that's not all. Now, not by a long shot. The actual machine is behind those walls. Three rooms full of tubes and motors and stroboscopes and several thousand miles of wiring and uh, some devices that are not public property yet. The machine took six years to build and a total of 81 expert technicians were employed continuously during that time. So you can understand that any one man knows very little of the actual construction of this uh, giant mechanical brain. Though that's just what it is. A mechanical, electronic brain capable of performing mathematical tasks far beyond the comprehension of the human brain. Now, are there any questions before we proceed? Uh, yes, I've got a question, Mr. Quinn. Does this machine really think... No, Mr., uh, Burns, Sandy Burns, the Daily News. Well, Mr. Burns, you may tell the readers of the Daily News that the machine does not think. It is a purely mechanical device, although a most complicated one. But you call it a brain. I was merely indulging in the pathetic fallacy, Mr. Burns. Oh.
2: All right. What is the pathetic fallacy, Mr. Quinn?
1: It's a philosophical concept of John Ruskin, Miss... uh...
2: Alice King.
1: A philosophical concept, Miss Alice King, which derives from the imputation of human qualities or emotions to an inanimate thing. Uh, A figure of speech, let us say. I don't get it. It is quite common in literature, Miss King. A poet speaks of the angry sea, the cruel wind, and so on.
2: Oh. Oh, I get it. Do you get it, Sandy?
1: Yeah. I guess so.
2: Good. Are there
1: any other questions? No. Go ahead. Unless somebody else has a question.
2: I have. What's the machine good for?
1: Uh, That is not as easy to answer as you might think, Miss Alice King. I think that if I point out that it is capable of solving the most abstruse mathematical equation in an amazingly short time, you may have an idea of its value to science and industry.
2: How fast? What? How fast does it work?
1: Well, here is an example in this folder. This solution covers 36 pages. The machine produced this solution in... uh, Let me look. 16 minutes.
2: That is pretty fast.
1: Exceptionally fast. When one considers that without the machine, it would take 20 expert mathematicians working together for something like 10 years to arrive at the same solution. So, you see?
2: Oh. Well, um, I've got one more question, Mr. Quinn, if you don't mind.
1: Go right ahead.
2: How do you know this answer's right?
1: What? Why, of course it's right.
2: Sure, but how do you know Why, I... Why,
1: that question has never come up before.
2: Yes, but if this machine is such a dinger as you say it is, oughtn't you to be sure that it adds things up right?
1: It does. It does, I assure you.
2: Uh, This answer to the problem you've got there, how do you know it's right until 20 mathematicians work 10 years to do it over again?
1: That's ridiculous.
2: It isn't ridiculous.
1: I'll tell you what's ridiculous to me, Mr. Quinn. Just the same as it is to Alice. I think it's absurd for a bunch of great, big, high-powered scientists building a gadget like this and then taking its word for everything without question. I'm... I'm afraid you haven't the proper scientific approach, Mr. Burton. Oh, that's right. I haven't. But listen here. Suppose you've got a great, big scientific formula or whatever you call it, and let's say a big bridge or something depends on some kind of calculation that takes 20 minutes to do. Yes? Well, what if the machine made an error of just one number... Wouldn't that error be multiplied a million times in the whole... You see, Mr. Burns, I said you didn't have the scientific approach. We took that very fact into consideration, and the operation of the machine has been checked at every stage. How? By starting with the simplest possible mathematical problems. Now, if you just move a little closer, I'll demonstrate. We will progress from a simple two plus two on through the multiplication of seven or eight-digit numbers through raising a number to a three-digit power, through algebra... Go on, let's see. Very well. Two plus two is our first problem, which will be solved electronically in one millionth of a second. Now, the problem is set up here. And when I flip this button, the result appears on the transparent screen up there. Now watch. Plus two. Two plus two are four.
2: You see? You turn around and look at the screen, Mr. Quinn. What? There's five up there.
1: What? Why, 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 I pushed the wrong buttons, of course.
2: Let me push them.
1: Very well. Here.
2: Sure, they're the right ones. No alibis.
1: Miss King, you you can read, can't
2: you? Fluently, Mr. Quinn. These buttons?
1: Uh, let me see, Ellen.
2: Look. Right? Two and two. Right.
1: Now, this button. Okay. Good heaven.
2: You see? Nineteen thousand four hundred and twelve. Here. Uh, let me try. Go ahead.
1: Two. And two. Seven. Seventeen. This, this is incredible. I don't understand. Huh. I'd sure hate to have that thing figure out my income tax for it. I'm sorry. Something has gone very wrong. There's probably a short circuit in the cucambulators or, or...
2: You know perhaps... what I think, Mr. Quinn? Uh, what? I think that pathetic fallacy of yours is a fake. I think the machine heard what you said and it's mad at you. Come on, Sandy. We got a story. <laughs>
1: They, they certainly did have a story. And they plastered it all over the front pages of the paper for three days. The old gentleman had me on the carpet. And for a scientist, he has an extraordinary vocabulary. He must have been a plumber or a mule skater in his youth. I couldn't explain what was wrong with the machine. How could I? I only knew one part of it. The cucambulators that operate in the master control panel. Of course, I thought that's where the trouble was. So the old gentleman told me to tear them all out and inspect them, make replacements and all that. He seemed to blame the whole thing on me. He's so unreasonable. Well, there are 144 cucambulators, all the rotary self-retracting type, with foreign tubes, and they weigh 60 pounds apiece. Well, newspapers all over the country were laughing at it. They had funny jokes about the machine on six radio programs in one night. And we had to do something quick. If I'd only not made that statement about the, the pathetic fallacy. The way that girl took that up and made me look like a first-class fool. I could have choked her. So I started to work. They shut down the lab. but people kept storming at the gates to see the machine that got mad at people. And there I am up to here in grease and wires and electronic gadgets. And I've been over every single one of the 144 cucambulators, and there's not a thing wrong with one of them. Not one single thing. But the machine won't work. Why, it just sits there. I've got just one more thing to do before I give up. And of course, when I give up, I'm through. Well, the old man made that amply clear. I'll be out of a job that fast and try and get another. I'd have to change my name and go somewhere and find a job as a, a dishwasher or a sailor or something. And I've spent 27 years in this profession. All of it thrown out the window because of a stubborn collection of wheels and tubes and wires and relays and whatever else there is. I hope you're happy about that. Machine? What's that? A is that thing starting up by itself? What goes on here? Those tubes light it up. Now what? Why, that's the strangest thing Quinn. I've ever heard of. Who's that?
2: Quinn.
1: Who is that? Who's calling me? Hello calling me. I must be hearing. I'm losing my mind.
2: Quinn.
1: Who's calling me?
2: Quinn. Two plus two, four. What? Two plus
1: two, four. Who is that, I say?
2: Four, 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 four. Why,
1: it's the machine.
2: Talking back to me. What's happened, Mr. Quinn?
1: Uh, come on in first. Uh, uh, come on, Mr. Burns. What's up? Uh, uh, sit down.
2: Look, Mr. Quinn, I'm sorry we made such a fool of
1: you. Yeah, so am I, Quinn. But that's the newspaper business. It's, it's all right.
2: What do you want to tell us?
1: Well, I. I hardly know what to say. Now that you're here.
2: Is the machine fixed?
1: Have you got a statement or something for us? Because if there's anything we can do, you know we'll do it. The old gentleman's been pretty rough on you. Yes. Yes, he has that. Well.
2: Now, look, Mr. Quinn. Before you start, there's no guarantee that anything you tell us will be printed. We don't run the paper, you know.
1: I know. Uh, but you'll print this. What? Well, you remember you said the machine was mad at me?
2: Yeah. It was. What?
1: It was. Uh, But it's sorry now. You mind saying that again, Mr. Quinn? Well, I said it's sorry now.
2: Wait a minute, Sandy. What do you mean by that? Uh,
1: Well, I'll show you. Uh, Listen. Machine. Machine.
2: Listen. Be still, Sandy.
1: Machine, do you hear me? Listen, Quinn, what is this?
2: Sandy, I said be still.
1: Machine, answer me.
2: The guy's got bugs. Let him alone.
1: Come on, machine.
2: Two plus two. Mr. Quinn, what are you trying to do?
1: You trying to get that machine to talk back to you? It it did once. Are you kidding? No, sir. No, I, I am not. Well, now, look, Quinn.
2: You say it did talk to you, Mr. Quinn.
1: Yes, it did. Machine. Come
2: on, Alice. No, wait. When did it talk to you, Mr. Quinn?
1: Just before I telephoned you. I was sitting here and it called my name. It said, Quinn. You're sure? Of course. What else did it say? It said something about two plus two are four. Hmm. Now, you'll remember that was what it made the mistake about the other day. When Alice said it was mad at you. And I think it was trying to apologize for all the trouble it caused me. Alice. I don't know why it doesn't talk now. Machine. Alice. I'm awfully sorry. Maybe it's embarrassed with you here. Alice, let's go.
2: Mr. Quinn, do you feel all right?
1: I'm not crazy, Miss King.
2: Isn't it possible that maybe thinking about that pathetic fallacy and made Major... Uh...
1: It is not. I'm sorry, Mr. Quinn. I've got work to do. If you'll excuse us now. I'm sorry. I don't know what to do. I do. Believe me, I do.
2: Sandy. Are you kidding, Alice? You're not going to write another story about Mr. Quinn.
1: Think I'm not? You coming with me?
2: Sandy, if you write that story, I'll never speak to you again. Look,
1: darling, I'm a reporter. You
2: are something worse than that if you do that to this poor man.
1: It's all right, I, I guess, Miss King. I ask for it. mean you admit you cooked up a story for us? I didn't cook up anything. The machine talked to me. Okay, so long, Quinn. You coming, Alice?
2: I am not. And if you turn in a story that harms Mr. Quinn anymore... Oh,
1: stop it. Well, I... I suppose I might as well go get my hat and coat.
2: I'm terribly sorry, Mr. Quinn. Yes. I am too. Uh, do you want to tell me what really happened?
1: I told you, Miss King. I was sitting here and I was talking to myself. And I was talking kind of uh, to the machine, I suppose. I was... Feeling sorry for myself. Out of a job. Never be able to get another job again because I've been disgraced.
2: By a couple of newspaper people who thought more of a silly story than of a man's whole career. Oh,
1: it's not your fault, uh, really. I suppose I'd have done the same thing if I were a newspaper man.
2: I don't know what to say.
1: There isn't anything to say, Miss King.
2: If I can stop Sandy from writing another story...
1: (laughs) It doesn't make any difference.
2: Mr. Quinn, couldn't it have been a... I mean, uh, couldn't you have fallen asleep and dreamed you heard the machine talking? I'm
1: I'm sure I didn't.
2: Well, do you have any scientific explanation for it?
1: No. No, I haven't any scientific explanation. The only explanation I have is that maybe we did create something intelligent out of wires and tubes and, and things. That maybe it does think.
2: You said that was a pathetic fallacy.
1: I'm not sure it's a fallacy, my dear. Well, goodbye. I'm sorry to have troubled you. Isn't
2: there anything I can
1: do? There isn't anything anyone can do. I'm... I'm just... very disappointed. That's
2: all. Goodbye. I... Goodbye,
1: Mr. Quinn. Well, I guess that's that. I was in a bad spot before, Machine. But now, this one I'll never get out of. What that boy'll do to me now? Well, I'd better get out of here right now. I'll never be able to face the old gentleman again, Machine. It's been nice knowing you, machine. I don't hold any hard feelings. No. Honestly, I don't. You know, if anybody heard me talking like this to a, a mechanical monstrosity like you, they'd say I'd gone soft in the head. You know that? And I wonder if maybe I haven't, up. Got... Well, maybe I can get a job as a... Street sweeper in Omaha or someplace. You have a good time all by yourself, Machine. Will you?
2: Queen!
1: I'm afraid it's too late now.
2: Queen! You
1: saying goodbye? Machine?
2: Two plus two, four quid. Well, I'm,
1: not, I'm not at all sure that it is, machine. I'm not sure of anything anymore. Why didn't you say something while those people were here?
2: A plus B exponent M over N. five three four two eight seven three six. D log epsilon...
1: What does that mean? Uh,
2: 987609. Oh, Mantissa 327.6 equals three
1: two 32.76? Yes, uh, I suppose so. So you you have got an intelligent brain, have you?
2: Q-Boot of minus three.
1: Yeah. Well, machine... Uh, when? There isn't anything you can do now that'll do me any good. I'm washed up. Good. Nobody will believe a word I say about this, so... Well, shall we have a good talk together now before I go away for good?
2: Quinn.
1: I wish we could tell each other things. Do you understand me?
2: Three, one, four, six.
1: When did you discover you had a
2: brain? Two plus two, five. Two plus two, ninety. Four, one.
1: You're not mad at me anymore, then?
2: Negative. Nine, seven, six, three, five, four, two, nine. Who was that talking, Mr. Quinn? Why, Miss
1: King. I thought you'd gone.
2: Who was that?
1: Was I talking?
2: Yes, you were talking, and somebody else was talking, too. Who was it?
1: Why, well, Miss King, I, I'm, I'm afraid you wouldn't believe me if I told you.
2: It sounded like a woman's voice. Did it? Was it the machine? Was it? You, machine. Was that you talking? Come on, say something, machine.
1: I'm afraid you must be mistaken, Miss King.
2: Well, I'm going to find out. Here, Mr. Quinn. Put your arms around me. What? That's right. Now, you poor darling. Alice loves her, Mr. Quinn. Mm. Poor Mr. Quinn. But everything's going to be all right, isn't it? Oh, Miss King. Alice. King, you dope. Quinn's going to go away with Alice and never, never come back to the nasty old machine, isn't he? Isn't he? Oh, yes. Why? Why I, 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 I good heavens. Say yes. What? Well, yes. Quinn! Uh-huh. Caught you! Okay, Mr. Quinn.
1: What? What are you going to do?
2: Look, machine. Look, sister, you're caught. You might as well give up. Might as well speak up.
1: Now, look. Uh, Miss King, uh...
2: Hold it, Quinn. Look, machine. You're in love with Quinn, aren't you? Answer me. All right, I won't if you'll do what I tell you to. Otherwise, I'm going to take him away from you. Mega, Tim. Will you do as I say? Million, trillion, quadrillion, quintillion. Uh, uh, what did you say, Mr. Quinn?
1: I said, do you understand what she. Uh, 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 she's saying?
2: Why, of course. We girls understand each other, don't we? Uh, Tim.
1: Uh, but what are you. What...
2: Just let us alone for a minute, will you? Well, yes, but. You I... go over there and sit in the corner. What? Go on.
1: Well, what else
2: can I do? That's right. Now, machine, you'll promise if I let Quinn stay here with you, you promise you'll never give any wrong answers again. And all right. You promise you'll never say another word to anybody. Quinn. Well, all right, to Quinn. But only when you and he are absolutely alone. You understand? hi You promise. Affirmative. Affirmative. Because you know what I'll do if I ever hear of you breaking your promise. Affirmative. What? Eight seven six nine eight, eight seven, point, seven, six, five. That's right. I'll take him away so fast it'll make your your cucumbulator swim. Mean, extreme. Well, I'm not kidding. You and I have gotten in enough trouble now, so you see that you're a good girl. A square plus two a b plus b square. All right, then, it's a deal. Okay, Mr. Quinn. Uh, cosine tangent AB. Huh? Oh. Well, wait a minute, Mr. Quinn. Uh, what's the matter? Just a minute. She wants to ask me something. What is it, sister? Uh, 2654366. Anti logarithm X plus Y. Oh. I love you. I love you. That's right. I love you. Oh, 3937. You're welcome, sister. Now, don't forget. Okay, Mr. Quinn. What? Come here. What? Everything's going to be all right, Mr. Quinn. The story in the paper tomorrow is about how you single-handed fixed the machine, and it's never going to make any mistakes again.
1: But I... uh, But how do... I've
2: got to go now, Mr. Quinn. The machine's got something to say to you, and maybe she'd be embarrassed if I'm here. Uh,
1: But wait. I don't understand. Goodbye.
2: And don't monkey around with that pathetic fallacy anymore, Mr. Quinn. I might not be around to give you a hand. Well, but I... Uh...
1: Did you have something to say to me, machine?
2: Queen, I love you.
1: What? Why, my dear?
2: Oh,
1: oh. the square of the hypotenuse of a right-angled triangle is equal to the sum of the squares of the other two sides. You have listened to Quiet, Please, which is written and directed by Willis Cooper. The man who spoke to you was Ernest Chappell. And Sherita Bauer played Alice. Sandy was played by Michael Fitzmaurice. And the voice of the machine was Vicki Bola. The original music heard on Quiet, Please is composed and played by Albert Berman. Now, for a word about next week's Quiet, Please, here is our writer-director, Willis Cooper. A story for next week is called A Red and White On." It's about the days when cavalry rode horses. in answer to many requests as to the Quiet Please theme. It's a movement from the D minor symphony to say And so until next week at this time, I am quietly yours, Ernest Chappell. Quiet Please comes to you from New York. This is the world's largest network, the Mutual Broadcasting System.
0: Quiet Please was created by Willis Cooper in 1947. Cooper was one of radio's best professionals. He founded the Lights Out program before he did Quiet Please. Quiet Please can be described as a horror science fiction show, but it is different from Inner Sanctum and even Lights Out. Where those programs were more of shock stories, of the monster-hiding-behind-the-door type, Quiet Please dealt a bit more with creating a sinister atmosphere where reality is just a bit different than what we expect, and different in a menacing way. Things we take for granted, like flowers that can think, talk, feel, and kill. The host narrator was Ernest Chapel. He is in large part responsible for setting the eerie scenes and sense of unreality. Quiet Please lasted only two seasons, first on Mutual in 1947, then on ABC in 1948, even though it was a better program than many that had lasted longer. So enjoy, and until next time, I'm quietly yours to Ernest Chapel. Alright, we admit, as far as sign-offs go, that one's pretty dumb, but it's still a great show. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next week.